You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. I thought that since today is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, it would be appropriate to think about what is biblical Thanksgiving. What is the mark of true Thanksgiving? Is something that I wanted to tackle as I was preparing for this sermon. And when I was thinking about this question, I immediately thought of this parable that Jesus had told about these two different people. And as you read the scripture,、um, I wonder if you might be thinking, well, which person would I associate with? And I think it's also very likely that maybe you might say, like, well, I don't associate with either one because they seem so extreme. But as I continue to reflect and meditate upon the scripture, I, in my own mind, saw a difference between these two. And what I saw the difference between these two people was entitlement and humility. And it's in fact the spirit of entitlement that makes us、uh, unable to truly enter into the blessed life of thankfulness that God wants us to be in. It's something about entitlement that prevents us from being humble and to truly receive the thankful life that God is calling us to live. Which made me think about what is it that creates entitlement in our life? And I thought of three different things that、um, came to mind that affect us in the everyday life that we live, but also very deeply in a spiritual way. And the first thing that I thought about that,、uh, the first thing that I thought that creates entitlement is this is that it's familiarity. What do I mean by this?、Um, a pastor once told me that the opposite of holy is the mundane. And what he was trying to get at when he was explaining this to me, what he was saying is that one of the greatest sins that we can commit is when we treat that which is holy as mundane. When we treat that which God has set apart, which God has considered special, right? The biblical word is holy. When we consider those sacred things as mundane, as everyday, as ordinary, as expected, we no longer see them as precious. Invaluable. So when we look at the things that God holds so holy justice, mercy, love, compassion and then we become so familiar with them, we begin to think that we are entitled to them. We begin to think that these are things that we are actually entitled to receive and they're in fact not things that we are called to do unto others. See, there's a subtle shift that happens when you get really familiar with a gift. You begin to just think, well, it's for me, isn't it? And we don't realize that the things that we receive from God are, in fact, a calling. That just as you have freely received, God has called you to freely give. We presume that the good things of God should always come our way because they always have. And it's in this place that we walk in a very dangerous spiritual territory. We become complacent and we become expectant in a very prideful way of how God should move on our behalf. The other thing I was thinking about that creates entitlement is indifference. This really struck me one time when I was meeting with the other pastors and the Evergreen Association. And before we began, I really appreciate how our executive minister. Uh, Doug Avilas Bernal, he told us to pause for a moment and said, Before you share, I want us all to 
uh, call out and recognize um, whose land you live upon. And of course, he was referring to uh, the Native Americans, First Nation people. And even though our church is 120 years old, formed with, with much um, difficulty, with great adversity, uh, we have to recognize that our building, and in fact our whole neighborhood, stands upon Duwamish land. When we are not aware and unconcerned of the hurts around us and the history of hurt that we have taken part in, we fool ourselves into thinking that we deserve all that we have, that we deserve this church building, that we deserve this land, that we deserve all kinds of things. In fact, this is one of the tricky things that we have to come to grips with about the holiday of Thanksgiving, is that it is indeed a time to recognize that we are so blessed that we have so many good things. But it is also a time to recognize humbly that the things that we have have come at a great cost, sometimes with great pain. And just as we have been hurt in some ways in our lives, we have to recognize that we have taken part in the hurt of others as well. And when we are indifferent to that tension, when we are indifferent to the fact that we all have an uneasy relationship with the past, that is when we begin to become entitled. We begin to think, well, we deserve these things. And I, I don't want to think about like what happened before. I mean, I just know what I deserve. It is a good time for us to stop and challenge our indifference Whenever we come to a holiday like Thanksgiving or we recognize the blessings that our church has, we also, in the same movement, need to also recognize what are the places that we have contributed to hurt and perhaps how is God calling us to be people of healing? Which leads to the last thing that I think leads to um, entitlement. And perhaps this is the greatest all, is judgment. When we begin to act as one worthy to judge and assess others, then we become above the standards of the world. And then we have said that we now have the guidelines of, what others, uh, of how others should live. I think this is particularly relevant um, for those in the Asian American community. Growing up in Canada and then spending an extended time in California on the East Coast, being in different kinds of Asian American communities, uh, especially in second generation or third generation communities where there is still a direct connection with the first people who immigrated over, there seems to be a narrative that sometimes happens and it goes something like this. It's that, you know, when we immigrated to this country, we worked so hard and we did our best, we had nothing but we tried our best and then we became successful. And now my children and children's children are very educated and doing successful. Why can't other ethnic groups be like us? And then it begins to be this judgment of like, well, they're just not trying as hard as us. If they only tried as hard as us, they would be successful like we were. And when we begin to do things like that, we begin to assume this entitlement of 
It was just about hard work. And because we did hard work, we are entitled to success. But I think something that all Asian Americans need to struggle with is the fact that a lot of the benefits and the opportunities that we have are really because of the pioneering work of other minorities, like those in the civil rights movement and the black community, that we could even begin to dream like we do today. To realize also that there are systemic issues, that there are barriers to certain ethnic groups and prejudices. To realize that there's a lot more to it than just simply doing hard work. And in fact, there are people who are trying to do their best, the best that they can and doing hard work, but they do not succeed. But we judge them with a standard that we have because we have this entitlement thinking like, well, if people just live like we did, they would obviously be as good as us. This happens in church as well. Um, I've been in different churches where people judge like, well, if you only attended this or if you did this Bible study or if you came to church like this or served in this way, then you know you would be spiritually accepted by God and you would be a thriving Christian, whatever that means. We do it in many different ways that we begin to assume these entitlements. If you just do what I do, then you'll succeed. And if you don't do what I do, then I judge you because you fall short of the mark that I have placed upon you. I think about those who would call themselves millennials. If you have studied the economy, uh, compared to those um, who went to college in the late 70s, millennials have a college tuition debt of 1,000% more than those in the 70s. So what happens when a boomer judges millennials and says, you know, the reason why you are in debt and struggling financially so much is because you're just filling up with, you know, your toast with avocado and you're living your um, extravagant lifestyle. If you were just responsible and worked hard like me, then you'd be okay. But then they don't realize is that, well, they are also struggling with 1,000% more debt you see, there's all these ways that we judge those who are unlike us. And when we begin to judge, we begin to um, let the spirit of entitlement come in. When we begin to look at our brothers and sisters and we see their struggles and we, don't really, we aren't really moved by it and we don't see how we are a part of their struggles at all, we start to feel entitled. We start to feel like, well, I'm doing well, why aren't they doing well? Because I'm doing well, everyone should be doing well. When we become familiar with blessings and we take them for granted, we begin to think that they are a necessary thing in our life that should just come just, just because of who we are. And here's probably, I think, the most dangerous thing about living in a spirit of entitlement is that we live in fear always wondering who is going to steal away or threaten our entitlements. God has not called us to live in a spirit of fear. God has not called us to be super vigilant, to be on the lookout for the latest threats to our well-being. If we study the scriptures, God is calling us to be people of mercy. Recall how the Pharisees in the scripture reading today 
he began to list off all the blessings that he had. And then, by the same token, he began to show how he was not like the other people. And you can almost see this sense of satisfaction that he knew he was right with God just because of who he was. And indeed, if you read the parable, it begins to say, this Jesus explains what this whole parable is about at the beginning. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. We read right here, he, this is exactly why he said this story, is because he knew that there were those who were confident in their own righteousness, those who looked down on others because they knew they were entitled to God's goodness. As a Canadian, I remember one of the first things I recall um, when I came to the States about 20 years ago uh, to do grad school, how this, this idea of our God-given rights, quote-unquote, and it would come up all the time in conversations, like, I have the right to do this. I'm entitled to this. And we can do that all the time with God as well. We can come before God and say, God, look, I'm a good person. I'm not like them. I'm entitled to this. But you know, it's interesting. When we approach God in this way, the thankfulness that we get from entitlement, it's a very shallow and a very superficial one. It uh, doesn't really change my life because it just makes me smug in who I am and I see no need to change. But we could learn a lot from that second person in the parable who had no defense, who just acknowledged who he was honestly before God. God, you know who I am. You know I'm a sinner. And it's interesting to see who was it that walked away truly encountering God, truly justified, truly forgiven, truly blessed by God. It was the second person to be truly honest and humble. There's a popular phrase and in the culture today, it says, if not for the grace of God, there go I. It's not often quoted. It's, not, uh, it's often quoted, but not fully understood, I think. What this phrase essentially means is, if it wasn't for God's grace, where would I be? You don't have to look too far into yourself to recognize that you're broken and perfect in need of God's grace. But then, that same feeling you have when you look inwards, you recognize that is in all of us. All of us are broken, imperfect. And we only stand here today because God is helping us stand. Which leads me to a conversation that was very impacting to me not too long ago. Some of you know um, I have this a podcast that I've started with JBC, and I like to just interview different friends of mine in ministry and talk about all kinds of subjects. And I had one recently with uh, Reverend Tim Phillips from Seattle First Baptist. And we got to talk about a wide range of topics. And one uh, part of the conversation I really appreciated was we were trying to talk about like, what should we come away from in this difficult time of the pandemic? What are the things that we feel like God might be speaking to us in this time of great struggle? 
And Tim said very thoughtfully, is that I think God is trying to say that you are enough. Not because of what you've done, but because of God's grace sustaining and holding you. The pandemic continues to remind us of how th we are inadequate and ill-equipped for so many things, that we're all just trying to do our best and we're struggling to survive. And it's not quite what we want, but it'll have to do. And it's a very difficult place for a lot of us, especially for those who pursue excellence and pursue perfection. The time of the pandemic and the message that God has to us all the time is this, is that you don't have to perform. You don't have to change. You are blessed by God, not because of your entitlements, but because God is gracious. God is merciful. You see, the Pharisee tried to prove how worthy he was of God's blessing. The other man realized it's not about proving your worth. It's about honestly recognizing that God is in your life and God is sustaining you. You see, when we humble ourselves, we recognize the power of God's grace at work in our life. I went further on in that conversation in the podcast, recalling the scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 to 10. And this is where the Apostle Paul is being candid and sharing about this struggle that he had, something that he called like a thorn in the flesh, something that troubled him so much he repeatedly prayed unto the Lord. And this is what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Thanksgiving is not about rolling out all the things that you have acquired, rolling out all the numerous blessings that you have. Thanksgiving is about becoming deeply aware of God's grace, deeply aware that we are in need of God's grace, and then to realize that we need to give God's grace unto others. When we begin to understand that mystery of humility and grace and thanksgiving coming together, that's when we can truly enter into this blessed life that God calls us to. If we take for granted the things that we have in our life, assuming that they should be there because of what we've done or who we are, we don't recognize anymore that the move of grace has been with us this whole time. It's when we are humble that God lifts us up. And I think especially in this Thanksgiving, which seems a little more difficult with the challenges of our health and social distancing, this Thanksgiving might be more difficult for some. But it's a wonderful time for us to, to pause and soberly reflect and to recognize that we have been sustained by grace. 
to recognize that we have only come here this far because of grace. I think of the beautiful hymn, Amazing Grace, that grace has led us safe thus far and grace will lead us home. So for Thanksgiving this year, I pray that you may become deeply aware of God's sustaining grace in your life, that you are enough, that you are loved. And my challenge to all of us is that you could give that gift of grace unto others around you so that we may all partake in a truly blessed Thanksgiving. Amen.